Welcome to our podcast series, Baswara Ideas for Malaysia by the Hub Movement. Hub was founded to champion the voice of youth in nation building to provide a platform for aspiring young Malaysian to exchange ideas on a variety of topics that contribute to building Malaysia. Hello, my name is Anis, a final year pharmacy student at King's College London, and I'm your host for today. In this episode, we'll be covering topics on youth participation in nation building with our special guest, Eliza Shafika, who is a first-year student studying international relations at University of Malaya. He is a member of Malaysian Youth Diplomacy as well as the researcher at Maya Movement and last but not least, one of the 2018 lawsuit applicants. Well, Eliza, it is an honor to have you with us today. So to start us off, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure, no problem. So my name is Alisa Shafika. I'm currently residing in Johor, um, Malaysia. So uh, I think you already briefly summarized uh, basically more, most likely my affiliations and my academic background. But I think I will just like slightly expand on why am I here today. I have been particularly interested in nation building and I would say political literacy for quite some time. Um, I think it's a very interesting topic that many has yet to delve into. Primarily because I think when we're talking about politics, especially um, in high school, right, or even like um, tertiary education, it's sort of like a taboo. So I particularly find it like I want to sort of like delve into it. Like what? why is it a taboo and stuff like that? So um, back in my foundation year, uh, I think it's like roughly last year, I co-written a conference paper on dissecting about Malaysian political sphere. When is the right? time for you to join so I think um, I'm looking forward for the discussion today so maybe I can like insert a couple of findings towards what we can progress. I admire your bravery and involvement in political awareness and literacy so out of curiosity can you share with us what is it that motivates you in joining this movement in the first place? Particularly my movement honestly I have a love-hate relationship with our education system I love that it tries to be, I would say, more and more progressive, especially at the time when I was like in form four, form five, I'm taking STEM education. But in my school, I'm able to take like science computer, whereas like some of my friends in my class able to take account. So I think education plays an important role. So I guess that's the love part. But the part that I really hate is that particularly me, I came from sort of like it's really like neck and neck and 40 v 40 vibes there. So it's really hard for me to get scholarship. So I think there there is a need for us to acknowledge that the edit inaccessible for some and it creates such disparity. So that is when uh, I started to join my movement. Uh, one of the projects SAC, the Malaysian Education Blueprint, we look upon like how the policy making has been made. And does it really as- touches all aspects to make sure every citizen who is taking education in Malaysia are inclusive. Yeah, so I guess that's what motivates me to join Maya Movement. Thank you, Eliza, for sharing with us your motivation. Now, on to the first question. As we know, Unitin Bill was passed with unanimous 211 votes from the day one riot in 2019, and it was gazetted into law in the same year. 
Yet earlier this year, the election commission decided to delay the bill. So as one of the youths that was involved in filing this judicial review against our Prime Minister Tan Sri Muhyiddin Yassin, the government and the election commission for delaying the execution of the Uni 18 bill, in your opinion, what is the impact of this delay towards youth and democracy? Um, before like I dissect first in depth about the question, I think it's important for us to know why are we suing the government at the first place, right? So uh, me, uh, I would say another 17 amazing youth leaders also hand in hand, able to, uh, I would say, voice out our concerns through an affidavit. So inside that affidavit, what we have agreed upon is that firstly, we need to note that some of the prominent stakeholders, especially the election uh, commissioner, state that the election will be delayed. It was supposed to be roughly July 2021, which meaning like about another one or two months left, right? This is very significant because at any time or place, actually Malaysia can go into a new general election. So that's very concerning, I would say. And youth is eligible to vote, especially like for now, 18 years old and above. So that's a very important point to note. And second, I would say it's because uh, primarily certain states such as Sabah and Sarawak have a different electoral system in which their state election, their election does not go consecutively at the same day as the general election. So at the point being, um, I would say in about another month, if I'm not mistaken, Sarawak also will have their parliament, their state legislative assembly being dissolved. So that means no one is being the ruling government. So obviously this grows a dire intention for us to make sure certain actions are taken. So the lawsuit essentially wants us to push for one of the amendments, which is to basically enforce everyone who is already 18 years old to 20 years old to be vote, are eligible to vote. And actually we are saying, we sort of like a bypass for now because of COVID-19. Uh, we are saying it's all right, we can wait for the automatic voter registration. So that was what we seek in court. So why is it important for us in this sense of delay? It is very harmful because first, it amounts to voter suppression. I think we cannot deny how costly a vote is because firstly a vote means you are casting your representatives to the parliament so that amplifies what type of policies you want for example like me myself or even Anis right we are both students we want to have like you know for instance scholarship so this type of policies will be made we need to channel it through through our representative inside either state legislative assembly or even parliament members itself. Second, I think why it is also difficult, I would say this form of voter suppression is very harmful. I would say it's excluding the youth to be a part of nation building. Because I, I do find it very ironic, just for your information, we are technically eligible to run. So technically, me being 20 years old, I am able to run for office. So yes, I can go and do campaigns, but I can't vote for now. So it's a little bit, what? Yeah, kind of situation. So as youth are not able to vote, and we meet the majority voters block in the next upcoming general election, 
technically our voices can't really be heard. No one will be pushing what we wanted and certain public agenda is not being set. Therefore, about 7.8 million new voters that is currently around my age are not able to put in our vision of what we want to see in the upcoming five years. So some might say, oh, it's just five years. It's okay, you can just wait. But five years can be very deadly to some. And at least we want to mobilize some grassroots initiatives. Certain people need certain policies to make sure it works. Therefore, I would say this is the only opportunity that we have. And such delay really harms not only us, youth, but technically the country's economy, the country's well-being and more. Honestly, I don't know that we can run for office. So this is new to me. So and regarding that, you have touched on the youth part. So now I'm wondering, you know, for some people who are old enough, like myself, to be legally eligible to vote in Malaysia, I think some of them are not particularly interested in the 18 bill because they feel like this is a matter that does not concern them. So is that true or what do you have to say to these people? To necessarily deny that fact i can't really do that because some people choose to be apolitical meaning that they don't want to like associate themselves like they they might don't even care i have to agree there are a certain percentage among the whole entire youth is quite impossible because taking into consideration that youth is below 30 years old right there are many people are actually very keen to you know bring to the society. I think when we are talking about the word politic itself, uh, some might even interpret that, oh, it's like uh, politics are, like, I don't want to do a medal with this. Um, but it's important to note that everything is political. Political uh, Politics is actually just a matter of how you choose to distribute, how you choose to govern, how you choose to lead uh, a certain society. So in this case, you waking up itself is a form of politic internal politics, I would say. So I do understand people might not really, dis- I would say, dislike um, politics, but what I encourage them to do is that try to think of certain things that are really close to you. For example, um, let's say my brother are really interested about playing games, right? And I know playing games and politics doesn't really have much connection, but picture this, like, let's say that certain game was banned by Menteri Komunikasi or a certain Menteri, right? So therefore, you will obviously write and say, I want to play this game. You are infringing my rights. I just want to find a place to be stress-free. Therefore, that is already a form of like will for you to participate. And I know that sounds outrageous, but you can also apply that in different contexts. So it is important to know uh, what affects your life. Especially when, you know, I think the most common issues pertaining to youth will be firstly education because most of us are entering tertiary education and some of us are even employed. So like minimum wage has always been a concern to us and also like housing, renting, basically family, well-being, etc. So youth not being ready is never an issue. We can actually dissect more of that later, but I would definitely say it's only a certain percentage. So most of the youth are really keen in basically having discourses to politics. I like your analogy on politics and games because when you put it in that simple term, it really makes more sense and more relatable. So yeah, that's a really good analogy there. 
Now, you have mentioned that youth not ready is not really the issue here. But quoting the president of Dewan Negara himself, Tan Sri Rais Yatim, he said, on the issues of 18 years old voting, whether we can implement it now, the answer is no. Although it has been passed in terms of legislature, in terms of readiness, there are many gaps. I know you're, you do not agree with this, so perhaps you can spend more and tell us why is that so. I think when it comes to readiness, to a certain extent, we have to acknowledge the point that is being brought forth by Tan Sri Raya Siyatin. I do believe that the readiness of youth, there is that. Um, before I like how to say expand my point, I would like to, to like give a question for you to ponder. Have you ever asked a 21 years old, are they mature enough to vote? Not really. But then now when the conversation, oh, now I'm 18 years old, you need to ask me, am I mature? So I think that itself has been like sort of like a fallacy. So firstly, we need to acknowledge education system does not really work in terms of like you going to school only. There is formal and informal education. So firstly, formal education back then, I think maybe your batch and my batch are able to experience it was civic education. We are able to learn slightly a bit about the constitution, like how the process of electoral voting and stuff like that. I think there is a growing concern because like as far as I'm concerned, I think it's about three to four years ago, the Ministry of Education abolished civic education so they revamped it and integrate the civic education in a way into the subjects of history pendidikan moral agama islam and i think the languages Basin Layu and english language so i think that's actually a backtrack because although we have to acknowledge you know sometimes even me myself when i'm learning civic education it's very boring um, most of the teachers end up using that time to like teach at maths law or those type of subjects. So there is a need for us to make sure that civil education itself is existent, is able to cater on this type of issues to make people more aware of what is currently going on and how can we be involved in the discussion, how they can play a part in the society and then make it interesting. So usually what we have now is Pembelajaran Abad ke-21, which incorporate like simulations and stuff that is very fun and engaging actually to a certain extent. So that itself is something that the Ministry of Education needs to set up. But to completely say that Malaysia is not ready in terms of political awareness, it's not really because we have informal education. Basically, um, maybe your parents have said like, how you going to go to the voter center and you cast a vote. So this vote represents whom and what will happen. So besides that form of talk, we also have NGOs and CSOs. I think there are various organizations that are trying to disseminate voter literacy, political literacy, to basically make Malaysian more aware. Yes, obviously it's a really hard for you to say like you are 100% knowledgeable, on that certain matter because trust me if you even ask politicians today that is running in the office not all of them don't even know a lot of concepts about politics unless they are political science majors right so it's all right at least you are able to learn so what we need to do is we need to have like a baseline and move forward from there so in terms of readiness we are ready 
but there are room for improvement for us to solidify and make sure that when we cast our vote, that vote is a quality vote. So everyone is able to cast a vote. It's just a matter of whether it's quality or not quality is a matter that we need to dissect. Yeah, I remember my civic class where we, you know, learn democracy and stuff. But in my opinion, what lacking is that we were only taught on that democracy part, but we never really thought of the reality in politics itself, mm. making students, you know, like wanting to know more about politics. Because back then when I learned it, I was like, okay, this is just another class. So um, if I need to add a bit, right? I'm not really sure if this practice technically applies to all school because um, some of them don't really do it. But back then in my high school, mostly in my state, we have, besides the prefects, we have student councils. So student councils are actually elected. So we have a process, even like the GPN, even make like a procedure on how you're going to do the electoral process to vote who will be your student representative. So I think that itself has already shown the first insight like in high school, how electoral works and how basically the cast of like the democracy concept is there from like below to top and then top to down. Then when later they become student representative, make their service. Lah. So that is also another great, I would say, analysis to look in depth in terms of how, to what extent this youth is already prepared. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. But as we have acknowledged, there are a percentage of views that lack the understanding of political blocks and ideology. And you have mentioned in your paper that this is due to the lack of political education in our system. So does that mean that we have to reconstruct our education first before we can implement this bill? Um, I'm... I'm a little bit pessimist on this, but I have to agree. I think this, this views only represent me, not my NGOs that I'm affiliated of and such. But I'm a little bit pessimist because when it comes to this, if we were to look even in the Malaysian education blueprint, they have tried to instill all of these values. We have the, um, the six core values, kemahiran insahnya, that students are expected to achieve once they graduated. So they tried to instill democracy, etc. But I do think with this legislation being implemented, it's like passing a patent in a relay, like um, I would say triathlon or something. Because um, how law works is that when legislative has passed it, executive, i.e. the ministries, is forced to execute it no matter what. Unless if you go back to Dewan Negara and Dewan Rakyat and say, oh, we don't want to do this, so we repeal or we abolish or we ban some sort of the actions. So in this case, we are sort of like pushing the Ministry of uh, Education or Ministry of Higher Education to prioritize this and incorporate the need to push for democratic or basically electoral education towards the basically the students. If we don't have the only 18 bill, I would say God knows when we will start incorporating it. So it will not really be a prioritization coming from the ministry. So at least this draw the concerns from the ministries and to actually incorporate it for their every, I would say every year gold or plans and stuff like that. And you know, in my opinion, 
on top of that, when we give them the authority to choose the government at 18 years old, so during the class, they will pay more attention. They will want to engage more. They are more interested because they know they will be responsible for the country in the next year also. So I think in that sense, it will benefit everyone. I do agree because we need to understand when we cast a vote, it's not like during elections only. It's also before and after. Before we are able to see these politicians coming up to us and saying, oh, cast a vote for me. My manifestos are this, this, this. So I think we like for myself, I have understand the education system always trying to preach students are expected to have critical thinking. So this is where we can truly apply it. So we need to rationalize and think whether certain manifestos are applicable in nature or is it just like big fat lies. And we need to also seek whether the intentions of these politicians have always been trying to help people or are they like having other political reasons. And most importantly is trying to analyze what is important for you and the community that you want. So this type of discussion always happened before the election and during the election process. So even after the election, like for now, if we have social medias, right, we can see in Twitter or even Facebook or other modes of social media, many youths are trying to engage. I understand it's a little bit scary at first because initially I don't really want to talk about politics uh, in social media because it's kind of scary. So I tend to just like talk with my friends and then I like slowly start to talk with um, the people in Twitter personally. So from there, you are able to exchange values. And like similarly like to this podcast, I think those who are listening come from various age groups. So same goes to this type of discussion. You are talking to your parents, for instance. Your points might be different because they are now having different responsibilities compared to you. Uh, like, you know, the Malay sort of like peribahasa, they have makan garam lebih banyak. So in that case, they know things better so they can shed a light. But sometimes in the issue that might be quite foreign for them, we can shed a light. So that is where we can improve in society. So this form of allowing youth to vote, especially at 18 years old, is a step forward to make the society improve holistically in the future. With the pandemic, it amplified the incapability of some of our ministers. And I've seen a lot of um, citizens are, you know, angry about it because we feel helpless. I feel helpless as well. And as a youth, we have so little opportunity to play a meaningful role in political decision-making. So as a youth activist yourself, in your opinion, how can the younger generation be politically involved? All right, so... In my opinion, um, firstly, I would say I would not really comment much on the political, um, the ministry's part, but we need to give credits where it's due. Because especially, I think what I, I wouldn't really say like, it sounds so ignorant of me, but what if I like would like to step back a moment, I would appreciate the pandemic showing us another side of this political sphere, I would say. Because without this epidemic, we don't really see how Malaysia is in a crisis 
can't really expect. I think the last time we have a proper crisis was, I think, at that time, I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> so it was the Asian financial crisis. So I do have to, and I will dissect this in two ways. So firstly, for those who have that technology, right? So what you can do is you use that platform as best as you can. Read up news, connect with NGOs, CSOs, or relevant authorities, you can even just shoot a DM to the politician and asking, especially since if like, for example, I'm a citizen in the constituency of Pulai, I could just like hit up my parliament member and ask, but I'm not really sure if uh, the person will truly reply me straight away, obviously got three to five business days lah for them to reply, but it's definitely something for you to actually get yourself there. And then that the best way, I would say, besides then actually going for join a political party is for you to also join groups. Technically, there are a lot of groups, some boomer-ish will be like going to Facebook and you know, you have that sort of like groups inside Facebook that you can actually uh, talk upon. It's very interesting. But if you're not really a Facebook person, you can definitely just grasp inside the Instagram and Twitter sort of like eco chamber, there are always available spots for you to like start discussing and start from that. But those who don't really have much technology, don't worry, don't feel like, you know, you are not part of the gang. You definitely can join. I would say uh, be connected with your peers. I think you don't need to start extra vegan. You can just like talk about simple stuff. Like, you know, like the analogy I taken about earlier, about games, right? And how does that impact you and your society? And maybe one question that I always get is like, how does that mix my society better? Is that, are people being happy? Are people being safe? Are people feeling okay with this? So from there, you can start to expand slowly. And from there, it starts like a small little circle. And then goes like bigger, bigger, bigger. And with that, we'll start wrapping out to this episode. Thank you, Eliza, for being with us today. Do you have any final comment that you would like to give to our listener? I will just say a heads up to like a couple of days. I would say in the upcoming weeks, the Mana Undi Kami lawsuit judicial decision will be up. Hopefully, it'll be in favor of our side, uh, considering that Sarawak's uh, lawsuit, which is quite similar to ours, has been approved. So uh, do keep in touch on that. In terms of voter education, I would just say that Undi 18 will shed a lot of importance and I would say it's a very phenomenal historical moment in the history of Malaysia, I would say. So try to explore any modes in which you can participate. It does not mean it has to be very extensive. It can be as small as a peanut. And on that point, I actually have one offer if you are truly interested on how to do so. Do check Meyer Movement's um, new project, which is called Literacy Advocacy Challenge, in which we are trying to instill sort of political and civic literacy towards the citizen. And you are actually eligible to even win prizes. So do check us out at Instagram at advocacy underscore LAC. All right, to our listener, don't miss out that opportunity, all right? And thank you so much for tuning in until the end. If you would like to know more about what Eliza do at Maya Movement, give them a follow on your Instagram page at Maya Movement, M-Y-E-R, Movement. And 
And don't forget, if you are eligible to vote, please register yourself as a voter at the MySPR Dafta website. Stay tuned to our next episode. And till then, stay safe and take care. Bye-bye. Hub Movement, aiming to build a better Malaysia. Follow MLUK as well as the Hub Movement on Facebook right now. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to leave a like and follow us on Anchor as well as Spotify. We release a monthly update with tons of interesting new topics. So stay tuned. See you on our next episode.